0: Boop, <laughs> boop, Father Anthony <laughs> and welcome to our third part in the spiritual sweat series that we started a couple weeks ago and the goal of this series if you've been following along is to exercise ourselves towards godliness and what we said is at the start of the new year if you remember we're still in January we set all these different goals for ourselves I'm sure we set physical goals and we had financial goals and career goals all this kind of stuff but we want to make sure that we have spiritual goals as well We want to make sure that our souls and our spirits are in good shape during the 2013, just as much as the rest of our bodies. So what we said we're going to do is we are going to look at seven spiritual disciplines. And these seven spiritual disciplines are not things that I made up or that I think are a good idea, but these are time-tested and proven over the course of thousands of years of Christianity, back from the first century and first centuries of Christianity. These were seven disciplines that those guys said these are essential things that you build into your life. Alright, and it's not something that has been invented any time recently, but it's stuff that people for years and years and years have been using to go beyond the superficial and the surface level. Because we agreed at the beginning of this series is that that's the greatest problem in our time today is that everything is surface level. Everything is superficial. Our relationship with God is superficial. It's just kinda we pray whenever we want, we go to church whenever we feel like it, it's superficial. As long as He's given me stuff, I'm happy. When He doesn't give me stuff, I'm not happy. Our relationship with others is superficial as well. It's hi, bye, how are you, but it never really goes any deeper than that. Our relationship with ourselves is superficial as well. We don't really know ourselves and examine ourselves in the proper context. So the goal is to go deeper beyond the surface and that's the point of these seven spiritual disciplines. The theme verse for this series comes from Galatians 6.8 which says that he who sows to his flesh will have the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the spirit will have the spirit reap everlasting life. This is logic, this is common sense. This is to give the same analogy of the working out for your body that he who lifts bicep curls will probably reap in his biceps. He who does leg squats will probably reap in his legs. He who does lat pull-downs will reap in his lats, all right? And the same thing is true spiritually, that we want to be something spiritually, but in order to be something, we need to have a balanced and consistent workout. That's the key to getting in shape, right? Not just going to the gym one day and doing 10,000 reps or something like that and then doing nothing for the rest of your life. Got to be consistent. Got to be balanced. We don't want to be, you know who Pee Wee Schwarzenegger is? Y'all know who Pee Wee Schwarzenegger is? Alright, if uh, you go to the gym, every gym finds one Pee Wee Schwarzenegger. The guy who from the torso up is Arnold Schwarzenegger, but from the waist down is Pee Wee Herman. Alright, tiny little stick legs and a big... We don't want to be like that spiritually. We want to be balanced. That's why we're talking about seven spiritual disciplines. Think of it also, the ex- analogy that's given here is like farming. In order to have good crops and good fruit, fertilizing is important. But if all you do is fertilize, 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 Okay. There's other aspects. There's watering. There is um, removing the weeds. There is giving it sunlight. We want to find balance. And what my guess is, is we go through these seven disciplines. Some of you, you'll find one be like, yeah, that one I'm really good at and I'm doing great. Fantastic. More power to you. But make sure that you're balanced. And all the other ones as well. Recapping where we've gone so far. We started over here and we said the first principle in our spiritual sweat series, the first discipline is meditation and that's the most important one of them all. That's the foundation of them all. Why? Because if you don't have this, then it becomes easy to turn the rest of them into legalistic laws and rules and you lose the relationship aspect of it. So the meditation is what always brings us back to the relationship. That one-on-one time with God that I do all these other things in order to foster my relationship with God. We talked about what it means to have meditation time We said it is hearing God and obeying God, the two components. Then last week we talked about simplicity. Why simplicity? Because life is complicated, and the more complicated your life is, the more God will get drowned out and watered down and shoved into a corner. That's why Jesus spoke harshly and strongly against the danger of riches and materialism. And he said, beware of covetousness. And he spoke very, very strongly about all that stuff because all that desire for stuff And stuff includes reputation, prestige, position, honor, all that stuff that we seek and we chase after. All that stuff has the potential to distract you from focusing on Him and to drown Him out of your life. And like I said last week, Jesus is not telling us that the stuff is bad. He's not trying to take away our stuff. What is He trying to change? It's our attitude towards the stuff. All right, I'm not saying stuff is bad. I'm saying our attitude towards the stuff is what He's trying to change. We want to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and trust Him to take care of all these other things. Today, we will go to our third spiritual discipline, which is the discipline of solitude. Yeah! Solitude! Everyone's favorite, solitude. On the surface, solitude doesn't seem like an exciting discipline to practice. Because solitude sounds like loneliness. And loneliness I can tell you from experience, is not fun to practice. And I will do anything in my power, as will you, to avoid loneliness. That's why we are uber-connected in our society, because we will do anything to escape loneliness. So why in the world am I talking about solitude? Like am I working against you? You're coming to church here to escape loneliness, and I'm coming here and going, saying, go be in solitude. Well. What you're going to discover here today is that loneliness and solitude are not the same thing at all. Not the same thing at all. And you're actually going to discover that solitude, actually being alone isn't even a prerequisite for solitude. It helps. And it helps to have times of alone to get to that state of solitude. But like with all the other disciplines, we are talking inside, not outside. And what we're going to see here today is that you can be in the middle of a bunch of people, a large group of people, and you can have inner peace and inner solitude. By the same token, you can be in the middle of the desert, on top of a mountain, and not find any inner solitude inside your spirit. The goal is not the activity, the goal is the inside. So let's start by seeing what's our goal. Our goal is Philippians 4-7. This is a great verse, and I know that if there's any verse that relates and talks to every single heart here today, it's Philippians 4-7. It talks about the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, to guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Is there anyone today if I said I have behind my back peace of God which surpasses all understanding? I have that on one side. Then I got a $20 bill on this side. Which one do you want? Is there anyone who would not want peace of God which surpasses all understanding? Like if I put a price tag on it, how much would you pay? How much do you think if I'm auctioning it off today, how much you pay? Peace at work. Peace at home. Peace within yourself. Peace with God. Like that word peace... And it's not just peace that we know. It's peace which surpasses anything that we can imagine. So, like, think of your most peaceful, restful moment in life. That blows that out of the water. Peace which surpasses all understanding. And God says, I want to offer it to you. I think there's every, not a single person in this world today that wouldn't jump on that opportunity. And you know why? Just like last week with simplicity... We, as a culture, as a society, we stink at peace and solitude. We stink at it. We live in the least peaceful and solitudinal, whatever the right word is there, era ever. We live in the noisiest, the most distracted, the busiest time and place. I feel like even county in all of North America. In, in Virginia, in Northern Virginia, in Fairfax County, or Arlington County, wherever it is that you live. We live in an era where there is zero value placed on being solitude and having quiet. And all the value is placed on noise and distraction and busy and all that kind of stuff. That's why everyone's always moving. Everyone's always doing something. Everyone's always refreshing something or other. Refreshing this, refreshing that, checking the latest status or whatever it is. Because we have no value for being still. Just the thought of being quiet and having stillness, let's be honest, it strikes fear into most of our hearts. I read about a study done in Holland to show you how crazy we are. And sometimes you you can't see the forest from the trees because you're so ingrained. Just like I said with the simplicity thing last week, last week with the covetousness. We don't realize it because we're so ingrained in it of having more, having more. Let me show you how crazy it is. This study done in Holland wanted to see how much silence people could take before they couldn't take no more. You wanna know the answer? Four seconds. The study revealed, four seconds, and I'll read it and I quote, four seconds is enough to elicit primal fears activating anxiety-provoking feelings of rejection and exclusion. Four seconds! If me and you are together for four seconds of silence, that's enough to make... (laughs) And it is! Like, four seconds is a long time. Like, if I shut up for four seconds... It's awkward! (laughs) It's awkward! You and I both know that we hate these awkward silences, and we'll do anything to avoid them. I'll be honest, I'm one of the first ones. I'm one of the first ones. The one of the things that strikes like anxiety inside me, the thought, okay, forgive me if I offend no one be offended by this. I'm sharing, we all have weaknesses. Okay? <laughs> Riding in a car with someone on a long road trip. I I like being by myself, I like being with two people. I struggle oftentimes, for most people, not all, of course, my lovely wife excluded, of course. Okay? <laughs> One-on-one makes me a little nervous because what, in the two situation, I can sleep and they can talk or something like that. Like there's, you can play zone, you don't have to play man-to-man, you know what I mean? (laughs) But the thought of man-to-man for four or five hours, that's a scary thought. And I don't think I'm alone. We're crazy. Why is it that we can't just be quiet? Why do we have to always be making noise? Why do we have to always be checking something? Why do I need to know, every second, what your Facebook status is? What do I care if you posted a picture of your new vegetable garden? Alright, of your status is smiley face. Like, do I really need to know that information at this very second? Why is it that we can't just be still? You want to know why? Because we're scared of loneliness. And because we're scared of loneliness, and we're scared to really be alone, then we will do anything to keep ourselves busy and keep ourselves distracted. But the problem is all those things don't solve loneliness. They actually, they just make it worse because all they're doing is giving you shallowness and superficiality in your relationships with God, others, and with yourself. And because you're always keeping yourself busy, you never sit down and have time to evaluate yourself and say, what am I doing right here? Bottom line is we need help. And because we need help, we're gonna go to the Word of God, which always gives us help, and we're gonna look at what the Word of God has to say about solitude and the benefits of solitude in our lives. First, let's get a working definition. What is solitude? Solitude, definition, being alone with God. Being alone with God. Two components, it's not just being alone. It's not just daydreaming or getting a massage, okay? That's not a, 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 a solitude. It's being alone with God. It can have different shapes and forms. Some of you may be a walk in the garden. Some of you may be sitting, you know, staring at whatever it is. Maybe, you know, driving in in the car, the windows down. Like, whatever it is, that's fine. But it's alone with God. The point of solitude is not just to be by yourself. It's to be in the presence of God in a more, in a deeper kind of a way. Jesus Himself was our example. Look what it says about Jesus right here. And I just pulled three or four verses. I could have pulled like a hundred of them. Mark 1:35. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. Luke 5:16. However, the report went around. The report went around concerning him all the more, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. Sounds like our life. Great multitudes, people all around. So what did Jesus do? So therefore, he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. If Jesus, son of God, high ranking, like pretty powerful, pretty like he is peace. If he himself often retreated and withdrew to find times of solitude, and maybe we need to investigate, maybe there's some value to this thing. And I believe the value isn't just spiritual. I believe you will find rest for your body. You'll find rest for your mind. You'll find, you'll find it'll benefit you in your career. It'll benefit you in your relationships. We need a car that's always pedal to the metal. Needs to rest every now and then, Needs to pull over. It needs to, to re, 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 like regroup. And I feel like that's the way our lives need to be as well. What's the purpose of solitude? The purpose is to enable me to handle the world. is to prepare me, to equip me, to empower me, to deal with the world. You see, I'm not going to the direction, the law direction, the legalism direction, and I'm not saying people are bad. Minimize your time with people so that you can spend this time with God. The goal is not to get away from people. The goal is not to say the world is bad, TV is bad, everything is bad. And just just isolate yourself from the world. That's not the goal. The goal is actually to equip yourself and prepare yourself to then deal properly with the world. Because when you don't have that alone time, then you can't deal properly with the world around you. Watch this verse right here from Matthew 14. In Matthew 14, two times in this one chapter, two times in ten verses, it says that Jesus went away into a place of solitude. Let's read what it says says, when Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. The story goes on. This is the story of when Jesus fed the 5,000 with the five loaves and two fish. So what did Jesus do? Jesus knew today's going to be a busy day. There's going to be a lot going on. There's going to be all kinds of people I need extra compassion, I need extra power, I need extra today. So what did he do? He withdrew. And he spent that morning time alone. And he spent that time alone, and how did he come out of it? Full of compassion, ready to work miracles. Full of power, full of compassion. That alone time enabled him, and that's what it's supposed to be for us as well, enables us to deal with the world. That alone time is where he synced his heart with God's heart. Okay, he synced his mindset with the mindset of the Father. And that's what our time in solitude is supposed to be as well. It's that where I come and I get myself in tune with God. Okay, God, where's your heart? Okay, here's my heart. Okay, what's your outlook on the day? And we get ourselves in sync. Then we go out ready to face the world. If we don't have this, then I worry that maybe this is why there's not enough compassion. Maybe this is why there's not enough people who care about the sick and care about the people who are underprivileged because we don't have that alone time. Story goes on. Jesus surrounded by people feeds them five loaves, two fish what do you think happens after he does the miracle of the five loaves and two fish and he feeds all these people even more people wanted to be with him because now he's handing out free fish sandwiches so now he's giving away food and he's healing sick and now he's the most popular man on the planet so what does he do after that at the end of the story and when he had sent the multitudes away he went up on a mountain by himself to pray now when evening had come he was alone there what did he do he started the day, solitude. Dealt with the people. And then, he needed to go back, and go back in solitude. And the story doesn't end here. What happens after this? He sends the multitude away. He tells the disciples, y'all leave too. I don't want to hang out with you guys right now either. They send them out on a boat. They go in the, the o- in the middle of the lake. A storm comes, and they're all scared. Jesus walks on the water, and comes and says to them, says to the water, peace. Peace. Why? Solitude alone time prepares us to deal with people and to deal with the world and to deal with our day and all that other kind of stuff. Okay, some questions. What about community? What about community? What about community? You stand up there, Mr. Preacher, man, and you tell us every week about the importance of community and fellowship and and being friendly with one another and, and meeting people at the coffee line. And you sitting up there and talking about isn't what we all say about the church. The, Y'all remember the three things for the church? Extreme love, ancient faith, real community. Okay? Extreme love, authentic faith, real community. Is solitude against community? Yes or no? Obviously no. Think about it this way. Everything when it comes to commandments. Like, I'll, I'll give you a dumb example. Jesus said... No, not Jesus. uh, In the Old Testament, all right, uh, the Ten Commandments said, "Do not murder," right? Said, "Do not murder." Another one said, "Do not lie." So, which is it? Is it "Do not murder"? "Do not lie"? Which one is it? Which is the commandment of God? Both. Like one doesn't contradict the other; they complete each other because there's more than one thing. Same thing with solitude and community. It's saying keep it balanced. You need times of community and you need times of solitude, and some of you. You're very good at community. You need to hit that solitude. Some of you are too solitude. And you need to community. And we need to strike a balance. We don't want to be hermits and say, we're just solitude. Because God himself said it's not good for man to be alone. But then, we want to get to community, but then we need to have our balance with our community. And some of us, we spend too much time in community, too much time hanging out, we need to hit the solitude, and vice versa with others of us. That's why, the first spiritual discipline that I spoke about, the most important one, is the discipline of meditation. Why? Because what meditation does is it customizes what God wants for every one of you. Think about it, like me, my job, think about it, like in medicine. I am a professor. Not, but I'm saying I'm a professor. And I'm here to tell you, um, you know, these things, generally speaking, are good for you. But then you need a one-on-one physician, a primary care, who customizes it for you. So in general, milk is good for you. I can say that, right? Everyone agrees that milk is good for you. But your primary care guy knows that you're lactose not good. So you, milk is not good for you. So what meditation, that's my one-on-one time with my primary care, where we take the principles. Hey, Father Anthony said community is important. But you, no, no, you too much community, okay? Father Anthony meant it as a general principle and some people really need to listen to it. But you, you, you work in enough community. You need to work more on this. What meditation does is it takes the generic prescription and it makes it, what's the opposite of generic? Specific. Specific. No, I meant like uh, generic medicine, sorry, and makes it prescription medicine. that's what I meant. Generic, I'm over the counter, okay? <laughs> in your meditation time, that's where you go pharmacy I'm done with this exam. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens when I stray from the notes, okay? Stick to the notes, stick to the notes. Let me read you some quotes about solitude and community and the relation between the two. A guy named Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a famous guy who lived a long time ago, said the following, let him who cannot be alone beware of community. Listen to that one again. Let him who cannot be alone, he cannot do solitude, let him beware of community. Let him who is not in community beware of being alone. See how that works? Let him who is not good at this beware of this and vice versa. Each by itself has profound pitfalls and perils. One who wants fellowship without solitude plunges into the void of words and feelings. One who seeks solitude without fellowship perishes in the abyss of vanity, self-infatuation, and despair. Another quote, Thomas Merton said, It is in deep solitude that I find the gentleness with which I can truly love my brothers. The more solitary I am, the more affection I have for them. Solitude and silence teach me to love my brothers for what they are, not for what they say. See how the two work? One is not opposed to the other. I need my alone time so that I can be strong in my community time. I need my community time so I'm not afraid of running away and hibernating in my alone time. The two have to be working together with one another. Next question. So, solitude just means I need to be quiet more, right? Solitude just means I need to just shut my trap and sit in silence for a few minutes, hours, whatever it is, and then I'm good with solitude. Is that what solitude is? Is solitude the same as silence? The right answer is no. Silence is a part of solitude, but it's much greater than that. Because when you are silent, You are doing a good thing by shutting this. But the goal of silence, of solitude, is not to shut this, but to open this. More importantly, this. Solitude is more than silence, it is listening. The point is not just to talk less, for the sake of talking less. Again, get away from the exterior mindset. The goal is to listen more. And part of listening more is talking less. There's an ancient proverb that says, those who open their mouths close their eyes. I like that. Those who open their mouths close their eyes. So yes, in order to open our eyes, it doesn't mean to shut our mouth. But just shutting of the mouth is not in enough by itself. The point of it. The point is fellowship, deeper fellowship with God. Look at this verse from Lamentations 3:27. It is good for a man to bear the yoke in his youth. Let him sit alone and keep silent. It is good for a man to sit alone and keep silent. Another quote that I was reading in a a nice book about solitude. It said, love silence, for in it, you have life for your soul. Love silence, for in it, you have life for your soul. In silence, you see yourself. Outside of silence, you do not see except what is outside yourself. So as long as you see others, you will never see yourself. Y'all see how that goes? As much as you're talking, as much as you're in the noise, you will be very good at seeing what's outside of yourself. But you'll be very bad at seeing what's inside of yourself that comes through silence. Give you another verse right here. Ecclesiastes 5 gives you the right mindset towards silence and solitude. Guard your steps when you go into the house of God. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools. I don't know what the sacrifice of fools is, but my interpretation based on all this I'm picturing a fool, someone who's yapping all the time, all right? And the Bible says when you come in the house of God, easy, man, easy, easy. Go in, close this, open this more. Open this, close this. Don't go in and just yap, 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 okay? Don't just gobble, 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 yap, 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 okay? Go in to listen rather than offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know that they do wrong. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth. So let your words be few. Silence of the mouth is good. Silence of the heart is much better. How does silence of the heart work? How does silence, okay, so I said in the beginning, you can be in the middle of noise and find solitude when you have inner silence. How does that work? How does that work conceptually? The point again is not to keep this closed, but to keep this open. You know when you have inner solitude, and inner silence, you know what happens? Something happens during the day. This happens, she said something to me. And before I see her, and I jump back at her, because I have inner silence here, I'm not yapping right here, I'm listening. Say, hey God, why did that happen? What are you trying to teach me? How do you want me to respond? Should I, or should I? Sometimes that's all it takes. Isn't that all it takes sometimes? It's just not responding. And just inside and say, hey God, how am I supposed to respond to this? What do you want me to do? You want me to bite her back? I can bite. Or you want me to chill out? You want me to speak, or you want me to be quiet? What do you want me to say? Inner silence, what happens is now all of a sudden, when I'm quiet, like I'll ask you a, th- a theological question that I already know you answer you know you already know the answer to. Does God speak throughout the day? Yes. God is always speaking at all times and all places. Do we hear Him throughout the day? No. Why? Because we don't have silence. And I'm telling you, when you figure out this silence and solitude thing, then all of a sudden, the events of the day are no more random events. I see God working through them. I hear God's voice. I'm not saying from the first day. I'm not saying one day, I'm saying with all the spiritual practices, like I said, it's the working out example. I'm not saying lift the weights and you'll be looking like Arnold Schwarzenegger tomorrow. I'm saying, be consistent. And over the course of time, you'll get there. And that's what I'm trying to draw this picture of you. Is that events are no more random. Is that I see God's hand. I see God writing on the wall. And you know that every one of you knows people like that. And you want to be like that person. You think that person's just born that way. They're not born that way. They're people who practice solitude. The person who interprets events through God. And they don't see things as random. And you can give them the worst news. And they can somehow see the hand of God in it. I want to be that person. You'll never be that person in the middle of noise unless you learn the practice of solitude. Let's get practical now. Practically speaking, how does this solitude thing work? What do you want me to do? Join a monastery, climb a mountain, hide under my bed? Like what am I supposed to do practically and realistically? And again, I told you from the start, the goal of this exercise of all these is not to leave the world, and to escape the world and to say, just hide. The goal is that I prepare myself for the world. Three things that each one of us can do, and they're cute little, easy to memorize by what you see on your handout. Withdraw weekly, I didn't put them in the right order, and I, I did it for a reason. Withdraw weekly, divert daily, abandon annually. I wanna explain them in that order, but then the way you can remember it is daily, weekly, annually. Divert daily, Withdraw weekly, abandon annually. Okay, but I want to talk about the week first and I'll explain why. First, let's start with withdraw weekly. Schedule times for solitude slash silence. Schedule times in your week. Not in your day. I would love it if it's in your day, but I'm being practical. And I'm saying I understand that you may not be able to have this time every single day. But at least on a weekly basis, you can schedule at least one time in two times into your week. Is this the same as meditation? No. It could start with meditation. It could start with your quiet time. And that's actually a good way to start always with a little time of prayer, a little time of Bible. That's great, okay? But it's more than that. It's a period of silence. Like let me throw a bunch of words out and it's a combination of all of them. It's thinking time. It's planning time. It's organizing my lifetime. It's refocusing on my purpose time. It's reorienting myself and readjusting myself time. And every single one of us needs to do that on a regular basis. Think of life, think of your days. Okay, and some of you, I know we got some, some busy corporate America, professional, you know, important people right here, okay? And your days, the minute you get started in your day, Man, your day is is 100 miles an hour, and you're doing stuff, and you're meetings, and you're all over the place kind of stuff. Think of your day as a war. It's a war. You're in a war every single day. Imagine it like that. Do you just get up out of bed, stretch out, grab a gun, and just go outside and start shooting around? Because that's what what we do. We just get up, and we say, I get on my day, and we just get up, we just start shooting anyone we see. Imagine what kind of funny war that is, okay? Yes, in general, we know the things that we're supposed to do. But before you get out there and start shooting around, you go to the table, you meet with the team, you discuss what's the strategy for today? Who are we trying to shoot today? Which direction are we trying to fight today? You don't just go out there, guns blazing, alright? Football, same analogy. You don't just run out there and I know the purpose is to go that direction. Like, you have a strategy. And many of us have no strategy for our days. We know we're supposed to go to work. We know we're supposed to do some stuff at work. We're not supposed to somehow be nice people, and we just go out there and just try to do stuff. But before, relax. Set a strategy. Have yourself a, a plan. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 26. St. Paul says, Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. Not as one who beats the air. A boxer who just gets up and starts swinging, whether or not there's anyone in front of him or not. That's how a lot of us live our lives, is it not? We just get up and start doing stuff. And we decided we're gonna do this stuff six, seven years ago, so we said we're gonna do this stuff, so we just get out there and start doing it. And we don't have any time for readjustments. Look, I'll tell you a principle about sports that's true about life. Coach Gibbs, okay, Joe Gibbs, won three Super Bowls here in Washington DC back in the 80s and early 90s. He's the only coach ever to win three Super Bowls with three different quarterbacks. All the other ones, just get a good team and stick with it. But Coach Gibbs built three of these things. Coach Gibbs was known for one thing more than anything else. He was the best at one particular thing—not coming up with the best game plan. He was the best at halftime adjustments. Y'all know what halftime adjustments are? Halftime adjustments are what makes difference between the winners and the losers. Both teams are going to show up to Sunday or next Sunday in New Orleans with great game plans, but the one who's going to win is the one who can get in there at halftime and say, "Okay, this is how things are going. This actually, we're going to change the game plan. Or we're going to go in this direction in the second half." The one who can make the adjustments. And I'm worried that we don't do that in our lives. We don't have adjustments. We just like, 10 years ago we decided whatever and we just kind of get out there and start shooting around like crazy people. I read a nice quote, which I kind of modified to make it this way. It says, busyness kills effectiveness. Busyness kills effectiveness. Because when we're so busy and we're so noisy and we're so distracted, we don't have that solitude time it kills our ability to be effective. Yes, we, get, uh, we do a lot of stuff, but we get very, very little done. It's the age-old example of the guy who's too busy driving to stop for gas, all right? You ever too been too busy driving to stop for gas? Too busy driving to check the map? That's how we live our lives. We're too busy to driving, we don't have time to get gas. We don't have time to check the map. No, you need to make time for it because if you want to continue driving, then you need to do pull over sometimes and do that. Have weekly time at least once or twice a week like I'll tell you one thing is that I try to do, okay, for me personally. For me, m- like, m- our week begins on Monday, all right? So what I try to do, either on Sunday night or Monday morning. Monday morning during football season, Sunday night during non-football season, okay? So now we're in Sunday night phase, at least one today and then we'll figure out after. Is <laughs> Sunday night, I like to sit down for a little bit and just kind of see where my week is going. What's on tap for this week? What's going on? And I like to remind myself, because this we'll get to in the third, the, uh, annually, these are my goals. Where am I at with my goals? What do I need to do this week to help me achieve this goal? Like here's this big lofty goal, okay? And here's this big, this is where I want to be in my marriage. This is where I want to be in my relationship with God. This is where I want to be, this is where I need to be as the leader of the church. This is where the church needs to be. I have all these lofty things. What can I do this week to get me one step closer to there? You need that time. And then you need daily time to evaluate that. So this week, the most important thing to get me there is this. And then you need to check in throughout the week to make sure that you're on the right track. Y'all see how this goes? Withdraw weekly, schedule time. Number two, we withdraw weekly, we divert daily. And I'm gonna tell you why I put this second, even though when you memorize it, memorize it the other way around, okay? Divert daily. Take time out of my day to be still. Take time out of my day to be still. What do I mean by that? I'm gonna tell you some novel concepts. Some, some high tech ideas right here, to be still. You see this thing? When you go out for a walk, leave it on your desk. Don't take it with you. You don't need, like I said, the pictures, the statuses will still be there. You don't even know right now. Take a walk without your phone. Drive in silence. That's what I started doing recently to start to make more, take more advantage of now that I have this long commute to church here. Drive in silence. It is great thinking time. Drive in silence. Go to the bathroom without yourself. <laughs> don't check your Twitter while you're in the bathroom. And every one of you is laughing, because every one of you doesn't. Don't check it. What I'm saying is, find pockets throughout your day that you can just be still. Even in the middle of meetings and conversations. Just take a minute, just to... This is why I said this is second. Because when you have that weekly time, and it's kind of set, it becomes a lot easier to run back in real quick and go back. You know what I'm saying? Like you're not starting from scratch. You have that weekly time that's set right there, then you go out in your day. And then, while I'm talking in the middle of the situation, just run back in real quick and get back out of here. Remind yourself, this is what I'm trying to do today. Remind yourself of a verse. Remind yourself of a goal. Remind yourself of whatever, and then run back in this day. I'm talking about in the middle of our conversations with one another. I'm talking about even in the middle, I'll tell you a good time to be still, in the middle of prayer. You say, wait a minute, isn't prayer being still? No. Prayer for a lot of us is more talking than listening. I'm talking about even in the middle of prayer. Shut your mouth. Take a second, bow your head. And then go into the prayer. Even in the middle of the prayer. Learn to enjoy moments of silence throughout your day. Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. It doesn't take sometimes more than one second of diverting myself Sometimes that's all it takes to give me peace, to give me perspective, to give me all that good stuff that solitude has. Find times every single day to escape the noise and be still just for a moment. All right, so we said divert daily, withdraw weekly. Third one, abandon annually. And this, now this one y'all are going to hate my guts for. Plan two to three times of retreat per year. And when I say that, you all have ideas of what it means to take a retreat. That's not what I'm talking about. For the vast majority, I'm not talking about something elaborate. I'm not talking about a weekend. I'm talking about a day. I'm talking about a half a day. I'm talking about take a half a day off of work. We take half days off of work for the dumbest reasons. All right, we can take a half day off of work to spend. Where am I going with my life? Where am I going with my life? Where do I want to be at the end of this year? Where do I want to be at the end of five years? Where do I want to be at the end of 10 years? Where do I want to be at the end of this month? Like, evaluate yourself. I'm a, a dad, how am I doing as a dad? I don't want to just be a dad and do dad stuff. I want to know that I'm being effective as a dad. How about as a husband? How about as a child of God? How about as a brother or a sister or a, a son to my, par- my parents? Like, how am I doing? How am I doing with my goals in my, in, in my life? Like, where am I at? You need times. Like I said, we take time off of work for dumber things than this all the time. Take a half a day, go chill out in the basement, lock yourself in a room, evaluate yourself where it is that you're going. You know what comes out of those alone times, those abandoned annually times? Tell you one big fruit that came out of that, exactly where you're sitting. This church came out of that. This church came out of one of those sessions where God said, this is what I want you to do. Actually, several of those sessions, not even one of those sessions, several of those sessions where God said, this is what I want you to do. I'm telling you, God would not have revealed that during a, a five-minute commercial break in the Super Bowl. If you want God to reveal big stuff to you, it doesn't happen in, in two minutes, enter in little, in little commercial breaks. You've got to give God some time to work right here. Why? Because God's purposes are not reasoned, they are revealed. God's purposes are not reasoned, they are revealed. Solitude is where God reveals stuff to us that you would never reason and figure out on your own. I wish I could say, I'm so smart that if I just sit down, I can figure out what God wants and what God is doing, but I ain't that smart. I don't think you're that smart either. God doesn't give you clues and you reason it and piece it together. When God reveals stuff, It's when you get inside that place where it's just you and him and he reveals secrets. Look what I love this verse from Genesis 18. God is speaking to Abraham. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Shall I hide what I'm doing? God is saying to you, I ain't playing hide and seek. Like it's not that that I have, guess what I want to do in your life, wrong. It's not like that. God is saying, you're my son. I want to share it with you. But will you slow down? Will you have a seat? Will you chill out? Will you put down the phone? Will you stop checking your Facebook so I can tell you? Because I want to give you secrets. I want to tell you my dreams. I want to tell you big stuff. You're Abraham. You're going to become a great and mighty nation. But chill out for a little bit so I can share it with you. Someone told me this one time a long time ago. Every time God calls you, is he getting a busy signal? This was back in the day before you had called, the call waiting and all that stuff. We used to have busy signals, okay? Beep, 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 that's a busy signal, in case it's something you never heard it. <laughs> God calls you every single day. Is he getting a busy signal? How many times God called and say, hey, I got a great surprise for you? Busy. Call back later. Hey, I got a great secret for you. Busy. Hey, you remember what happened yesterday? I'm gonna tell you why I did that. Busy. There's no solitude. What could you be missing out on? Because you ain't spending that time alone solitude. Maybe God wants to point you to a new career. You hate your career. All you do is complain about it. You never give God a chance to tell you, I want you to change it. Maybe it's a relationship that God, you're sitting there complaining about your relationships and God is trying to tell you, I'm trying to tell you to go in a relationship with that guy. But you ain't listening because you're just complaining about that guy. Maybe it's something as silly and nonsensical as a new hobby that God wants you to take up. Let me tell you a true story. Someone did this and they felt God telling them that they are pottery, get into pottery. And they told me this and I said to what you're all thinking, okay, (laughs) that's great, God told you to do pottery, that's great, I'm proud of you. That's what y'all thinking, that's what I was thinking, the same thing. And I'm telling you, this person to this day, the peace in their life, that they found through this little dumb little hobby of pottery, of clay making or whatever it is. It has given them such a sense of peace in life. More power to you, okay? I'm not a pottery guy. This person is now a pottery person. And God revealed it to them because God knew that that was how they were going to find peace. I know it sounds dumb, but maybe God has some things that sound dumb. Like, you think of all the dumb things that God told Abraham? Leave your country. Go to that place. Why? Take your son up and kill him. Like God says dumb things sometimes that we think are dumb, but they're not dumb. They might just change your life forever if you give him a chance. Maybe God has a direction for you in life. Maybe God wants to put on your heart something. Did you give him a chance? Solitude isn't easy. But what solitude is, it is an invitation. Mark 6:31. Jesus says this to you. He said to them, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. You know what solitude is for your soul? It is what Kansas was to Dorothy. There's no place like home. Your soul, I'm preaching solitude and your mind may be saying whatever, but your soul is saying yes. That's what I need. That's what your soul is saying. But sometimes your mind is too loud and tells your soul to be quiet. Tell your mind to keep it down and let your soul say there's no place like home. It's not easy. How do I do it? Logistics. Will I hear? Yes, I agree on all those things. Exactly like I said in the beginning. When you start a workout routine, I don't know what exercise, I don't know how to lift, I don't know. Yes, agree. Start. Be consistent. You'll get there. Just start, and you'll get there. Not tomorrow, not the next day, but you'll get there. You know what all these spiritual disciplines, but especially the solitude one, you know what it is? Imagine a waterfall, okay, a waterfall, and that waterfall is falling. And there's this big rock right here, that's right in the middle of the waterfall. If you stand on that rock, you will get hit by that water. Solitude, and all the spiritual disciplines, but especially when I'm talking about solitude, is that rock. The rock in and of itself, if I pick up the rock and I put it over there, the rock is nothing. The practice itself is not the issue. But the issue is, when I stand inside this, I get hit by God's love. I get hit by God's counsel, by God's vision for my life. It's not the rock. Because if I spend time alone, just lock myself in a room, that's as nothing. But when I spend time alone with God, you will get smashed on the head by God's purpose, God's vision, He will give you power, he will give you compassion, every good thing he will give you. Again, not on the first day, but he will give you if you continue to go back and stand on that rock. My challenge for you this week, not even my challenge, my invitation for you this week is take time for solitude and come, be consistent with it, okay, build that in, and test and see if God doesn't give you clarity and vision and purpose and explain stuff, this might be the breakthrough that you need in this new year, in 2013, okay? Let's stand up and say a prayer together. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, we thank you from the depth of our heart for this invitation that you give us to come be alone with you. Lord, forgive us for so many times ignoring your invitation. Today, you give us like like a, like a, a, a personalized invitation, saying, come and be alone with me and find rest for your souls. I pray that you'd help us to get past our minds and get past the obstacles and the difficulties and help us to really find time in our schedules and make time in our schedules to be alone with you and really find rest for our souls. We love you so much, Lord, and we thank you because you desire to be with us even though we ignore you so many times. Accept our prayers this day, Lord, and put your hand of peace and blessing on each and every single member of our church right here and everyone who's bowing their heads before you. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, and with the intercessions and prayers of all your saints, hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Through Christ Jesus our Lord, thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you all very much. Have a great week, and I'll see you all next week.